0: S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com and that phone number is 520-977-7904 shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address you are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice would you really want to tell a court a law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea Really, clown on your face. Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. Returning to the shop today is the distinguished and driven Dan Habib from MBS Highway. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, make sure you check out his website at highway.ai, or you can check out MBS's podcast on the highway.
1: Yeah, Kyle. A couple yes, other sir. things is uh, you know my my Instagram, which I post a lot of videos on, is the Dan Habib. And yep. because today we're talking about crypto, you know, Highway is is certainly, um, you know, the main company that I work with. But I have a, another company called Crypto Charged, and it's just CryptoCharged.com. And that is a service similar to Highway. But what we do is we educate potential crypto investors on the crypto market every single day. Live videos, uh, technical analysis, on chain analysis. You know, we have some really cool stuff on the side, like a coin glossary that helps you really understand everything you need to know about potential coins that you want to invest in. So really a crypto specific service even has some um, you know potential leveraged plays and stuff if you want to be a little bit risky and, and on this period of really boring trading um, overall, <laughs> try to uh, <laughs> potentially make you know make some some some
0: dollars. So oh that's awesome. Okay, so that's cryptocharge.com. Make sure you check that one out.
1: It is. And if you if you go there, you can sign up for like a a two week trial, you know, for free. Um, But you also if you wanted to uh, put in the code, my last name, Habib, you can sign up for 50 percent off that I set up for for this call.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Okay, I'll make sure that we got links for all that in the episode description. Uh, if you want to reach out with any suggestions or corrections or questions for future guests, you can do that via email at two at financial ineptitude, or you can join our free Discord server where we gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Well, now that we got the business stuff out of the way, let's just uh, kind of jump in. So so why crypto? Like, why did you get kind of, what what attracted you to that space? Well, and how long you, have you been trading it? You know, really since around like 2020. So, you know, not,
1: not an ultra long period of time, but... Um, you know, in the crypto market, it certainly feels like longer than that <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with, with the ups and downs and, and, uh, you know, I've certainly been humbled by the crypto market as I'm sure many listeners have, oh, uh, sure. but I, but I just thought the crypto market was fascinating. Um, you know, I think in the United States, we have some serious issues with our centralized finance system. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, uh, you know, $34 trillion, um, you know, debt <laughs> level, we have uh, a government that continues to egregiously deficit spend, right? So that's when they can agree on a budget, right? And, and you know, that's just a game where they, you know, hold out to the last minute. A lot of times it's uh, politically induced yeah. and then they raise the debt ceiling, right? And otherwise the government shuts down and you can't make critical payments to certain things. So, you know, there's no... A way that I see us without a great reset in the U.S., which certainly wouldn't be a, a winning ticket for for a Democrat or Republican to, to be elected on. Right. But there's no way to get out of this where I mean, the debt level is going to just continue to grow. Right? Um, right. So what does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, you're going to you know, continue to have these issues, you're going to, you know, a banner year in the U.S. is 2% inflation, right? That's the Fed's goal. But yeah. so we've had years where we know over the last few years, we've had much, much higher inflation I and mean, we had 40 plus year high inflation. Right. We were up to, you know, 9% on the headline CPI, you know, 6.7% on the core CPI. And you know, what that essentially means is that your dollar, the purchasing power is being eroded. But, you mm-hmm. know, even 2% is the Fed's goal. Well, you're still you know losing 2% of that purchasing yeah. power per year there, right? And Um, Right, right. Yeah, I think that Bitcoin is is a very specifically Bitcoin is really the one that I really track. uh, But I think many of them are are you know really cool as far as some of their use cases and such for remittances and you know I think the the opportunity out there is endless. But uh, let's just talk specifically about Bitcoin here. The fact Mm -hmm. that you have something that is is completely and really it's the only one I think is truly decentralized where. You know, you can have a financial system without the need for the government, without the need for a Federal Reserve. You don't have somebody that can just create more of it to stimulate the economy or adjust rates. Right. You know, this is something that there's a finite amount, and I'm sure many of you have heard that. You know, it's compared to something like a you know, digital gold, right? Where you know, gold has right, right. obviously stood the test of time for five thousand years because you know, it's expensive and it's a natural resource. It's expensive to mine, right? You can't just create more out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't pass certain tests uh, in a lot of cases, right? Right, Like being divisible and things of that nature and portable to a degree. Um, mm, but right. uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin specifically certainly solves a lot of that. And obviously, there's a finite amount of 21 million. And, you know, what I really like about it is, is that it's really deflationary over time instead of
0: inflationary because you know in oh because you're constantly cutting the supply down yeah well
1: you know when it started i mean you know, most people don't realize you know you've heard the term miners and such but um yeah. you know bitcoin it's essentially a, a a global uh transparent uh you know a blockchain or ledger right that 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 it trades on and uh, mm-hmm. and you know you have these miners that essentially what they are is they're ledger keepers they are Keeping the network secure, they plug in to the Bitcoin network. They use their processing power, their energy, and really what they're doing is making sure the network is secure, verifying blocks of transactions. And you know, to make it as simple as possible, here, trying to solve a hash function first, and whoever is able to do so gets a reward. Now that reward started at fifty Bitcoin, and then every four years it gets cut in half. So right now the reward is six point two five Bitcoin. So if you're the first one to do this, you get that reward as the miner. But the interesting thing is, is that byproduct is the only way new supply comes to market. So, right. you know, right now, the, if you take a look, the reward 6.25 Bitcoin, the difficulty of the math equation adjusts so that on average, every 10 minutes, a new block is written to the blockchain. So if there's a lot of activity on the network, uh, the block, uh, then the math problem and the difficulty gets higher. Right. If there's not a lot, Uh it gets easier so that on average, it's every 10 minutes. So you do the math. That means that it's 144 blocks. That means that there's there's roughly 900 Bitcoin per day currently that are coming to market. But next year, sometime probably around April, you have the next halving. So what does that mean? That means that you're going to have the reward drop from 625 to 3.125. That means that instead mm-hmm. of 900 Bitcoin coming to market on average per day, you're going to have 450. So you have an asset where the supply coming to market gets lower and lower and lower every four years until you reach ultimately the end point where there's no more Bitcoin to be mined. Because right now you have over 19 and a half million Bitcoin that have been mined of a final number of 21 million. So it is very much a you know, scarce asset, probably the scarcest that we've seen, you know, listen, it's got its challenges. I don't think that in its current states right now, it's, you know, and tax laws that it's really optimized for transactions to a degree, right? Because if you're tax laws,
0: do they actually exist yet? Well, what I mean by that is, is that,
1: you know, if you're doing things the right way, I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and let's say I bought Bitcoin a few years ago, I'm not going to go ahead and buy something that's small, but have to sell my Bitcoin and then the tax liability right. I have on it, it is going to be greater than the uh, than the uh, um,
0: the, purchase the purchase of what, of what, I'm, what I'm buying, income, right? Yeah. But
1: I do think it's very much a commodity. Um, I think that you know we're getting closer to some regulatory clarity. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know the XRP case was was certainly a good step in the right direction, um, but I think that there's a lot of exciting things that are are happening right now. For more adoption of crypto.
0: Well, but before we we jump down there, there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about. One of them being, uh, you mentioned the U.S. financial system is kind of needing like that's the weaknesses that you see in there. Kind of the things that you're looking for Bitcoin to challenge. Uh, am I phrasing that correctly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think you know, I,
0: I don't necessarily
1: see a world see a world where where it replaces it. Right, but right. I think right. that it's a very interesting um, alternative. I think everybody should have some exposure to Bitcoin because it's probably, in my opinion, the best asymmetrical return you can get over the next 10 years. Mm. And, um, you yeah, know, I think it's certainly just like you want to have gold in your portfolio. I think it's something that is something everybody should have somehow.
0: The, the, the question I wanted to ask is, are you concerned about whether or not the U.S. would fight that? Because I see Bitcoin as being like a loophole around sanctions and that being something that maybe the, the US or the government's not really going to want something that can that can limit the effectiveness of of one of the greatest tools that they have at their disposal.
1: I don't think they have a choice. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. even if you ban Bitcoin, I mean, China's a good case in point. Um, it's, it's really hard to ban something that's decentralized. Right. Uh, so, you know, we had that you know, summer where you saw Bitcoin go down to like, you know, 28,800, China banned it. There was a string of bad news and, you know, came all the way back. And now in some parts there, they're allowing crypto again over there. So, (laughs) but, but the U S has been pretty clear, I think, um, with Mm -hmm. the fact that they don't plan on banning it, but you know, listen, they want to make their own uh, stable coin. They, they, yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's pretty clear where a lot of the smartest minds are trying to innovate as well as you know, where a lot of the interest is, I, I don't see the US banning it. But I do think that there's certainly going to be some more regulatory clarity uh, down the line where, you know, they're going to do their best to make sure that you can't do some of these nefarious kind of like actions and stuff. But listen, let's face it. I mean, you know, there's more there's more crimes with cash than anything. else. Oh, right? yeah. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're never going to eliminate that. Uh, but the lack of regulatory certainty, though, has certainly made it a lot easier for bad actors to proliferate the space. And that, I think, has definitely been changing this past year. You can look at some of the the cases with the SEC. They've definitely been targeting um, some of these exchanges. Yeah, there's a really good point to
1: make on that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that aren't plugged in that don't have a full understanding, they see things like what happened with FTX. And they say, oh, I told you crypto was a scam. And right. here, here's an example that I like to give, Okay. If we were, let's say, using TD Ameritrade Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, and I was buying shares of Apple with it, all of a sudden it was found out that TD Ameritrade, which is a marketplace, an exchange, Mm -hmm. that they were misappropriating customer funds and I lost all my money. Would I ever point the finger at Apple and say, see, I told you Apple was a scam. That's literally (laughs) what people are doing with crypto. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a high amount of cryptos that are scams and Mm -hmm. rug pull type schemes but if we're talking about quality here let's just use bitcoin for example there's nothing that has been ever proven that bitcoin is a scam but certainly especially if you're doing overseas exchanges and such you you know there's no regulation there and -hmm. you have people like sam bakeman freed and ftx that can be bad actors like you can have bad actors in anything but
0: it doesn't mean that the underlying securities are bad right that makes perfect sense uh, you mentioned the the XRP case uh, that had recently been uh, was that in the uh, the the Supreme Court? Um,
1: yeah, the yeah. SEC and and you know and it, essentially it's you know it's like halfway done. Where like on an institutional side, they said it wasn't a security, but um, right, you know it's it's coming on the retail side, and that was a that was a big win for XRP. You know, they kind of got like I think wrongfully singled out, and you can go down some wormholes to see. You know, some of the potential reasons as to why, um, (laughs) which which, you know, is a little bit scary to see. But I think although there could be some painful regulation coming down, I think ultimately we're going to see more regulatory clarity. I don't think crypto is going anywhere. And I think the end goal of having the regulatory clarity is it's going to be a good thing because. You have so much institutions out there that would like to invest in crypto right. but literally can't because of their bylaws and because the lack of that regulatory clarity. Yep. I think a lot of companies out there would like to do uh, you know what Elon Musk did and, and, and use some of their their cash and their treasury and invest in, in things like crypto, right but a lot of companies literally just can't
0: mm-hmm. because there's not
1: that clarity
0: there. Well that goes to my next question then is about the spot BT, uh the spot Bitcoin ETFs. Um like we have seen Kathy Woods, I think, is approved for one, grayscale is approved for well, one. Well, they're not oh, are not, not approved. I'm sorry, it's applied. Yeah. That's what so, we're looking
1: for. So here's the I think craziness out there. You mm-hmm. know, you have the ability right now to buy a futures ETF. Yes. Which a futures right. ETF is riskier than a spot ETF. Essentially, <laughs> Instead of it tracking exactly the underlying asset or being comprised of the underlying asset, it's comprised of like perpetual contracts that try to track the price of the underlying asset. So, you know, why would you be allowed to have a futures ETF and not a spot ETF? It really makes no sense, in my opinion, but we're starting to see movement there where you have BlackRock, Fidelity, Invesco, Franklin Templeton. I mean, you have. Uh, Arc invest Kathy Wood. You have you know a lot mm-hmm. of these companies out there, which if you combine the assets under management, it's like sixteen trillion across all of these companies that have applied for Bitcoin Ooh. ETF. So why is this important? Because the majority of money out there is tied up in your traditional brokerages houses, and they are not going to go open a Coinbase account or a KuCoin account or an FTX, whatever it may be, <laughs> and and then go buy Bitcoin, try to take self custody. The majority of people out there just aren't going to do that. But if I have the ability to buy Bitcoin like I can just buy a stock with Mm -hmm. my dollars I have in these, just like any other ETF out there, right? Like SPY or SPX, right? Then think about even if you get a small percentage of that money to come in, which would happen, then think about what that would do with the market cap and what that would do with the price. And I think that you know you combine that, which, which, by the way, the other one that we talked about was Grayscale. And Grayscale just had a pretty big win recently, where Grayscale, mm-hmm. they got initially denied by the SEC. Grayscale has their Grayscale Bitcoin trust. And right. what they were trying to do is convert that into a spot ETF. So the SEC said no, but then a US court overturned that decision and literally quoted the futures ETF spot ETF argument. And now Mm -hmm. it's back in the SEC's court where the SEC, you know, has like 45 days. And the bottom line is, is that Q1 of 2024, you're going to see a lot of these final deadlines come in. So I think that that's going to be a very, very important time. And of course, shortly after that, you have the next having of Bitcoin. And if you just look historically, listen, history, it doesn't always repeat itself, but it often rhymes. I mean, any asset where you cut the supply of market coming in half, uh, you could just see a huge run-up prior to and after the having. So I'm extremely mm-hmm. bullish based on all of these things we just talked about on Bitcoin. And then how about actual investor behavior? You know, something that's unique to crypto because it's all on a blockchain is that you can analyze that data. It's called on-chain analysis. Uh, right. And, yeah. And and one of the things I like to look at is the supply of Bitcoin. So you have short-term holders, which are people that you know, have either bought or sold or moved crypto in under 5.1 months or 155 days. Mm -hmm. And over that period of time, it's considered long-term holders. That's a very important distinction because long-term holders have a much less uh, uh, propensity to sell their crypto after holding it that long. Right. Well, you are seeing supply of Bitcoin get locked up at record paces, meaning 75% of Bitcoin hasn't moved in over five point one months, meaning it's long-term holder supply, but seventy-five percent, seventy-five percent, it's somewhere between sixty-five and seventy percent hasn't moved in over a year. So why is that important? Well, take a look at a chart of what happened in Bitcoin over the last year. Sixty yeah. percent is like two to three years, okay? So right. what's happened over that period of time, and they held through that, meaning they didn't sell it when you saw it go from sixty-nine to fifteen. Do you think right. that they're going to sell it if we see a little volatility here? Or do you think they're holding on for longer, price, higher prices? So you have all this supply getting locked up. But listen, there's still enough supply in the short term to move prices. But just think bigger picture. Spot ETF potentially approved over the next year. That's mm-hmm. going to drive crazy demand. Record amounts of supply being locked up. The next halving next year with Bitcoin. Potentially some more regulatory clarity. There's even been some tax news that's come out. Where, you know, kind of under <laughs> under the kind of uh, hood a little bit, the Financial Accounting Standards Boards, the FASB, they approved a favorable crypto accounting law that allows for- firms to mark their holdings to current fair market value. So like mark to market here on their balance sheet. Ah, and this okay. is this is something that allows another step to enabling like broad adoption of Bitcoin from corporations. I mean, Michael Saylor saw that news and he said, you know, fair value accounting is coming to Bitcoin. This upgrade. Um, eliminates a major impediment to corporate adoption as a treasury asset. So listen, we're making the right steps mm-hmm. and I'm not here to make any price predictions, but I think that you know I am extremely bullish over, let's say, the next 18 months in, in crypto. And listen, uh, you know, Bitcoin will, will rise all kind of ships here, the tide, but, <laughs> but, I, but I think like, you know, if, uh, the safest one and my favorite truly decentralized one is Bitcoin. I think that it's very possible that over that period of time, you were going to see Bitcoin go well above six figures. Uh, like, wow. And it just... It's just everything's lining up. Yeah. I mean, it's simple supply and demand here, really. And
0: um, Well, you mentioned the the just the ease of access to it being a huge uh, factor. And I remember an earlier conversation from maybe a couple of years ago with, I think it was Dr. Hans, when he had mentioned, uh, when he was looking at different cryptos, like when they actually get listed on like something like Robinhood. Like you can see the liquidity come into it as soon as that ease or that availability is made to the wider public.
1: Oh, well, 100%. There's, there's all kinds of people that try to do their best to do, to do like a Coinbase IPO play or ICO play essentially. Right. So essentially the, they see that, Oh, XYZ coin is going to be listed on Coinbase let's buy it because a lot of times once it gets listed on a major exchange like that, it Mm -hmm. makes it easier for people to buy. And it drives at least some temporary interest into the asset. So, you know, but imagine now, you know, something much bigger than that, you have the ability to
0: imagine institutional investors getting involved in it. Like you said, institutional
1: investors or individuals that have all kinds of, you know, trillions of dollars at your, you know, traditional brokerage houses, Goldman Sachs, whatever it may be. And now, they don't have to go open a coinbase account and try to mess around with that on their own they can just hey you know what financial advisor <laughs> give me some exposure to bitcoin and bitcoin truly here's my thoughts on it i think if you love it then you know maybe mm-hmm. have like i don't know 10% uh, allocated to it if you hate it allocate 5% okay right. because listen, I used to be a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. And of course, one of the main things that you always try to discuss is having a diversified portfolio. Mm -hmm. Well, that means an allocation of stocks, bonds, alternatives, real estate, and gold, right? And and precious metals. And I think crypto needs to be a part of that. And you don't have to do too much. I'm not saying go take your life savings and put it in crypto because it's extremely volatile. Certainly, if you're watching it every day and you're sitting through a drawdown, which it's not uncommon to see 80% or so or more drawdowns as you go through these four year cycles, it'll make you lose your hair. Yeah. But <laughs> but having some exposure and adding to it when you see prices are down and lowering your cost basis, and then remembering to pay yourself on the way up because a lot of people forget that you're in this game yeah. to make money. And I can't tell you how many people watch it go from 30 to 69,000. Well, well, I think and you can. They,
0: it's about 70%, right? It'll go to, well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it'll, go, it'll go to it'll go to oh you know once all the news stories start coming out where it's like yeah. to five hundred k to a million you know that's, that's actually sells. probably a good time to sell right yeah. I mean, there's yeah. very famous contrarian investors out there you want to buy when there's blood in the streets you want to be a buyer at the most pessimistic time a seller yeah. at the most optimistic
0: time right when your cab driver is telling you about how great an investment it is that's when you get and, uh, out exactly
1: right I mean listen <laughs> Bitcoin was at you know a little under fifteen k. Uh, and everybody was talking about the thing going to zero. They were talking yep. about it going to to, to to 10K, to 7K, right? All the technical analysts coming out. It was a good time to buy, right? But it's very hard to time the market. So listen, if you dollar cost average, I think that's a great strategy, but especially mm-hmm. on times where you have price lower. Um, but I think you know, the whole crypto industry is extremely exciting and blockchain technology, which is interesting. You know, blockchain technology is not that new, but now it's being applied to... to you know, things that we're seeing in everyday life.
0: That's, that's, what's gotten me really excited. Like, can you imagine using that blockchain technology to like, uh, improve your supply chains or to, to use them for like contracts, uh, like keeping them secure and like, there's a really, there's a lot of really cool stuff that can be done with that technology. If it, once it branches out or finds other use cases outside of crypto. Yeah. And Listen, uh, this this half hour
1: went very quick. I know. Um, it but does, it? <laughs> but, um, but Kyle, unfortunately, I have I have a call on the back end of this. But, you know, really enjoyed speaking with you about this. I think we should, uh, you know, as as things kind of unvelop here and we get a little closer to that halving and maybe get some some clarity on on some of these spot ETFs and such, maybe we can have a follow up.
0: Oh, I'd love to do that. In fact, actually, I'm going to be spending some time at CryptoCharge.com checking out the, uh, the the educational stuff you have on there. And I'm sure I'll have a list of questions for you after I finish doing that. Well,
1: that sounds great, brother. Again,
0: team, uh, it's CryptoCharge.com. You can sign up for a trial or use
1: code Habib and you really get insights kind of like this every single day.
0: All right. Well, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time with uh, Dan here, but that's no reason to be sad because you can check out Highway.ai. You can check out CryptoCharge.com. You can find uh, Dan on Instagram at the Dan Habib. So plenty of ways to, to get more information on, on what we've been talking about here today. And,
1: and just make sure you be careful. Um, there's a lot of impersonators on oh, social. Yeah. It is the one with the blue verified check mark because I can't tell you how many times I have people that I even know that are like dan is this you and it's somebody yeah. that because of the nature of the things that i do they try to pretend to be me they'll make the profile look like it is they change oh, a yeah. little letter in the name and then they're asking them to send them money to invest in crypto <laughs> yeah. for them i've actually you know sadly had some people send them money so oh, no no never so, do that yeah yeah as a rule of thumb never send money through
0: through social platforms yes <laughs> <laughs> all right all those links will be in the episode description so we'll make sure we have the right ones on there um Dan, thank you so much for for stopping by. I know this was a quick chat, but uh, hopefully we can do another one here in in the future soon. Would love that, Kyle. Thank you. All right. Take care, everybody.
1: Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.